Stage is set. The mics are on. It's not another fight cast time. With your hosts, fighting out of the blue corner. This man is a former fighter. The voice of Brave Combat Federation and Clan Wars MMA. The great and powerful Phil Campbell. Fighting out of the red corner. This man is a former fighter. And now one of the best coaches in mixed martial arts. The one and only Andy the icon, Burrow! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome along to Not Another Fight Cast with myself, Phil Campbell, and my co-host, Andy Burrows. Andy, how's it going, bud? Not too bad. I'm suffering from a bit of a mutant face virus at the moment. I've got what is sadly and commonly known as the common cold, and it's absolute hell on earth. But we'll get through it today, folks, because we have teased this for a number of months that we're going to focus a wee bit on nutrition, diet and supplementation based around what athletes uh, need really to sustain them through combat sport, making the weight. And today we are very pleased to have from Northern Ireland Supplements, Mr. Adam Stewart. Again, person I normally come over to the shop and basically just argue about CrossFit with. But today, <laughs> what we're really going to do is we're going to go a bit deeper into nutrition, a bit deeper into supplementation, and also then focus on, and maybe dispel a few bro science bullshit myths. Adam, how the hell are you today, mate? I'm not too bad. What about yourselves? Oh, dead on. Glad oh, then. good. Get, getting through, slowly getting through January, which uh, which brings us, it segues us nicely in, into into January, sort of supplementation and, and dietary stuff, because one thing that I've noticed sort of about January is when everybody jumps on bandwagons. Yeah, and uh, it's, good, it's good to have a conversation probably about nutrition and sort of a wee bit of science-based Nutrition as opposed to answering questions about fat burners for the last three weeks. <laughs> Again, which has been like my my heart and soul has been slipping out through all my pores. Yeah, because for three weeks. Because it's fucking Is that something people are looking for? With it you, you see fat burners advertised or do you think there's there's a tendency in people to look for quick fixes rather than address the fact that they need to sort of put the work in themselves as much as anything else? Yeah, look, it, it's it, it's not I I'm gonna blame it. I'm gonna be that old fogey and blame it on sort of social media perception in a lot of ways because you're getting people you you get the guy in the gym who's been training for 12 15 years or whatever uh tends to know the crack because mm-hmm. he's like i've came from a to b it's been a slow year on year week on week process uh where you now get into a social media era where there's so much outside influence there's so many uh you know, these six week transformations. Bullshit. There's so many of these like quick fix fad mm-hmm. supplements being sold. Teas and that sort of stuff. Yeah, bullshit. like tea. Yeah, that and, you know, like specific sort of amino drinks and specific uh-huh. uh, creatines and specific. Just without going into detail, supplements that are scientifically researched just to maybe help aid an already existing protocol, like Dabby Protocol, which works, but they're actually honing in on the fact that this supplement is exactly why Gary or Jane has went from being quite festively plump to absolutely shredded in mm. six weeks. And then people see this and then they're like, right, it must be the supplement. Uh, so then they're straight in the door going, I saw this. Like the people will actually physically show me a picture on a screen of a supplement of a specific brand. Do you sell this? 
mm. and then I'd be like, no, but I'll t- I can I can point you in the right direction. I can tell you what it is and explain to you what it does essentially and what is very no no just this. Mm. You know, the guy in yesterday looking at masking it had to be a specific masking and her mate didn't his mate didn't want it, mm. and it was essentially just. It was carbs and, and high calories. And high calories, and it was exact. If you know, you show them the back of the the back of the ingredients list. You show them the form of carbohydrate. It's exactly the same. Show them the, the protein amount, and no, it doesn't want it. So I guess, I guess it's like, it's like anything. Brand management has as much of as 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 powerful in the the supplement game as, as any other sort of business. Hundred percent. It's look. It is. It is a money making industry. It's like any business. You want to. People, people are trying to weigh up what is ethically okay against how much money they want to make, you know, and then there's people who that where that skew is completely imbalanced. It's mm. just I wanna make money. And don't give a fuck. And don't give a fuck. Yeah. And like that that's where with myself and Peter and obviously I've been coming in here for years, even before I worked here, that's where I believe Peter why he has had longevity in what he does because there is always that moral implication of selling a fat burner to an 18 year old or when they were legal, like SARMs for example, mm. a 17 year old comes in asking about building muscle. He's, you know, you, you see that guy, the somatotype, like really like sort of ectomorphic, looks like the guy to the Mr. Muscle adverts, but hasn't really given himself a chance mm. to get past that age, 17, 18, but he's seeing all this outside influence and then that's the difference Peter and I instead of like going yeah mate 100% safe you know it's grand you were going mate just give it give it a while like, yeah have just, you, what about your diet yeah have you thought about this you're, you're 18 you're 19 your hormones are racing around your body you've got a high level of testosterone oh, your metabolism's through the fucking roof you know you get a hard on sitting on a bus for fuck's sake yeah so <laughs> you're just sort of like going to them you're going to them like mate you know what just enjoy and you're like mate I would if I knew what I knew now mm. at seventeen, like the it would have been like Lazarus it would have been like an awakening. You yeah. Know, oh my God! I am going to build so much muscle here, but you have to try as gay in the supplement industry. There has to be that that ethical and moral sort of like point. There has to be a demarcation point because because what it opens people up to it opens up to the abuse of certain as you you pointed out SARM. So people who are listening to the show. And are not necessarily a favour of some of the terminology we use. The term SARM. SARM stands for Selective Androgenic Reception Modulator. And it's basically a mimic, or it is equivalent to using of an anabolic steroid. I've actually used SARMs in the past. And I've got to say, they were fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm not lying. I got monstrous changes, monstrous gains from using them. But again, I was in my 40s when I started using them. I wasn't, you know, 17 or 18. Yeah. And there does seem to be a spike now. And that, that demographic, that sort of 17 to maybe 22, 23 of, of young men using SARMs. Sadly so, yeah. It's, it, it, it seems to be actually more so now. And, uh, you know, I've had lads in as young as 17, 18. Mm. And, you know, you're, you're again, they're, they're the sort of thing that, obviously, it, I only know what I read because I'm not a scientist. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of sort of grey area on this, but they... Essentially, you've androgen receptors, bone, muscle, sebaceous glands, gonads. The, the idea behind SARMs is <clears throat> they attach solely to those in the bone and the muscle. So they were obviously used, they have been used in like the treatment of sort of bone wasting, muscle wasting diseases like osteoporosis, mm-hmm. stuff like that there, HIV, cancer, 
uh, and the likes of cardarene, which is a PPA or agonist. It's not quite there on the SARM level, but it, it was used in you know sort of tumor reduction. But again, this is all what you read. Mm. Um, the idea behind them is that they're non-liver toxic. The problem is, with anything, Northern Ireland particularly, in the bodybuilding industry, there tends to be a let's rip the arse out of it mentality. And that is where I worry about young people mm. because essentially you're creating, you're creating uh, an unrealistic thought process in your head of muscle building from a young age. So therefore, you're always looking back on that time when you took X, Y, and Z, and when you decide at 25, 26, and thereafter, oh, I'm going to try and build the same muscle as I did exponentially within that period of time I was taking that PED, mm -hmm. you're always going to look back and go, what's the point? So then what's your process? It creates a negative, ne negative mentality. Mm -hmm. This is why I say, hold off. Mm -hmm. Give it 10 years. Try and engross yourself. Like, get to know every... like. Be a bore bag. It's education. Learn everything. It is education. And you dad, know. you how many times have we discussed diet in the shop? Fucking hundreds. I mean, but it's diet is so vastly important. Yeah. When it comes to building muscle and and also to losing fat, mm. and I think that that's the that's the step that a lot of people are missing. And you you touched on it earlier on the social media era, where people want that instant fix, that quick fix. And I think that people are seeing SARMs or seeing other supplementation as that sort of if you want wormhole from one yeah. way to another and they're not prepared to give it the 10 years. There's confirmation yeah. bias there as well. Yeah, it if, is. You, if you have a specific ideal of what you want in your head and then you find something that's selling exactly what you want, you buy in 100% to oh, it. Of course you do. God. And the thing is, like, I'm not going to stand here and be whiter than white. 17 years of training, a very, very small portion of that, I have went into the dark arts. Mm -hmm. But there then is that cast you're sitting at 35 and you're looking back at when you were like 27 and you tried different PEDs and stuff like mm. that there and you're going, I'm never going to be that guy. But then you realise that like you're sitting at 35 healthy, fitter probably than you've ever been and it's just through eating right and training mm. hard. Mm. And that, I, that sort of like insight is something, if you could sell that insight, if I could sell that insight to myself, if I could sell that insight to young 18-year-olds mm. and actually empathetically make them feel that, you know, like how that feels, they would never touch it. Mm -hmm. Because... You'd also be a billionaire. Yeah. Oh, God, you could bottle that shit. But it's, like, it's that's personal responsibility, isn't it? Personal responsibility and self-education, mm -hmm. which seems to be too much of an endeavour for a lot of people. They want yeah. to sort of farm that out and get someone else to do it for them. 100%. Look, it's, it's probably subsequently why I moved away from the PT and into and, and and I fell in this job very luckily through knowing Peter but through the PT because you probably invest in the PT and then you may be fine with coaching you invest yourself quite heavily in in, in, in the human being yeah sometimes if you're if you're someone that can't cut yourself off from your worry your, you know like from not trying to educate this person but when they don't get it mm. it affects you because you think you're doing work. something wrong you think you're doing something wrong you're always double guessing yourself and that that do, that came within me obviously as a human being but you're always double guessing you're always worrying irrational worries about hurting so when you're you're actually essentially trying to make their life a lot better but you know and this this is the thing but um with with, with trying to explain the importance of nutrition to people it's it's what I what I would say to if if you put the wrong fuel in a in a car in a sports any car yeah. it, it fucking breaks down it doesn't work you know 
Uh, it doesn't matter how great the car looks on the outside. You put spoilers on it, put alloys on it. You can do whatever you want. You make it look fucking unreal. It's sitting on the side of the Castle Ray Road and everyone's like, unreal. You get into it and you put the wrong pet on it and the fucking thing doesn't it's work. It's useless. Yeah. It's functionally useless. It's aesthetically pretty. It's aesthetically pretty. It looks the part, but it's got zero power output, zero like go. It, and it's the same with a human being. So when you're talking about, again, not from a fighting background, I actually couldn't beat Snow Rope. But from ha- having learned, played sport and realised the importance of nutrition to a fighter, specifically, again, there is very little difference in terms of importance, hierarchy of importance between aesthetics and performance in the first, like, you need energy availability, you need calories, you need adequate dietary protein. Now then, where, where, it sort of, where it sort of changes is like meal timing, meal frequency becomes a little bit more, more differently. So like the meal timing might be a little bit more important for that of a performance-based athlete mm-hmm. than to somebody who's in the aesthetics game. Especially if you, well, I suppose they're both aiming for, if they both have a competition, for example, yeah. in, in the aesthetics world, <clears throat> such as a bodybuilding show, which would be maybe one of the fitness categories or something like that, where you need to be a very, very low percentage yeah. of body fat and they want that sort of lean, dry, hard look. And a fighter, they both have a date in mind. Yeah. So as you said, the, yes, they time, have yeah. to be at that conical of their performance at that particular time. So yeah. there is quite a, there is a crossover there and I, I, I can, I, I freely see how that works for both people. What do you think would be the most it's regarding nutrition, right? Regarding nutrition, what do you think the most mistakes that guys and girls are making now? What are they? What mistakes are they making with their own nutrition that are that are stopping them getting their goal? Just wanting everything yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, if I'm talking about aesthetics, it's and the mistake I made was trying to do a prep very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to do, I know this is about fighting, but so we'll just brush over. If you're going to do a prep for a show, definitely take the long term approach. Do it slowly, Be- because essentially what's happening with the body when you are restricting calories, you know your body is in is is lacking the energy availability it needs to maintain your current body weight. But within that, then you have to be very very careful. And you need to be making sure you're getting enough calories in, uh, with when you're a performance athlete that you can perform and actually go through your sessions and get the power output you need. Um. This, you know, this is just reminding me of something. We might just finish that point, but I'm going to come back to something. I need to leave a marker in my brain because I'm thick as fuck. Just get punched in the head for us. <laughs> no, like, um, so with, with, regards to, with regards to aesthetics, you, you know, you're f- just thinking about, right, I need to... Your, your body essentially adapts to the calories that you're on mm-hmm. over a period of time. But if you go too aggressive, say, for instance, it can be very detrimental to immunity, to muscle recovery, repair... And that's what you want to avoid. When you're when you're trying to drop body fat, you are basically trying to preserve and protect all that lovely hard-earned muscle that you have built over the years. And what the problem is sometimes, and I see this in, as well as that too, I know I'm going off track, with females specifically, there is this real sort of negative, sti- negative stigma towards dietary fats. Oh, fat, this is fats in it. And I get it all the time, it's fats in it. But what people don't seem to understand is that after protein, the next most important macronutrient for any endeavor is fats, whether it be strength related or whether it be aesthetic related, because mm-hmm. fats obviously not are so important for cardiovascular health. 
but in terms of the transit of actual nutrients around the, the body transit of nutrients, the important. they're also uh, they're, they also yield a high energy. calorie and energy yield mm -hmm. um, so bang for buck they're unbelievable but they are also important and crucial to male sex steroid hormone production uh, regularization of like the female sort of menstrual cycle mm. things like that so it's you see a lot in the aesthetics world a lot of things like um, you know amenorrhea oligomenorrhea all these different like hormonal problems mm -hmm. even just missing periods full stop like for a long period of time and i feel this can be avoided mm. um with regards to like performance based athletes weight cuts i my heart's broke really and and my problem is really i should probably say to a lot of people who come in here trying to make weight what the what the fuck are you doing we've like guys, they get we, we get to six they have 15 weeks this is one of my fractures by the way one of my absolute fucking fractures in life about weight cutting yeah. it gets right up my fucking tits yeah. and it goes back to what i just was about to leave that mental marker i was speaking to a guy the other day that i have an input with coaching and he had explained to me that his weight had stalled at a specific level mm -hmm. and i asked him are you tracking calories what are your average calorie values for the day this guy was training on average three hours a day, right? Yeah. So it's a lot of resistance-based activity, working with another human being. So you're involved in grappling and stuff like that as well. So it's a lot of physical resistance from another person. He was mm -hmm. then working his cardiovascular activity again, maybe for another hour. So there's three hours of work a day. He was eating, I worked it out, at just under 1,500 calories a day. Yeah. And I said, is it any wonder your weight loss is stalled? Simply because your body doesn't have enough to perform at a good level. I asked him what his sleep pattern was like sleep poor all those other things are starting to go downhill and I was like you're not you're simply not putting enough fuel into yeah. that body for it to continue with the body of work that you're asking it to do and that's one of the things that I think athletes are missing they're missing the point of you need calories to perform at your best because you're gonna have to fight at your best if you're fighting at a weakened state you're already around down in my opinion yeah. and I think that that way there has to be more education again we'll go back to education there has to be more education around what is the optimal calorie intake now this person yeah. has had no tests performed on them they have had no understanding of their normal daily calorie value and yes they got an initial great result because they stripped calories back of course they did but now when they're coming down to this they're finding their weight loss is stalled they find they're holding fat more they're finding they're holding water more and i put it down to the calorie value yeah. Oh no, hundred percent. Like I've like obviously because I'm a complete null panic attack been having I've written like a few few notes and all to remind to sort of talk <laughs> to with people but that's like like obviously especially years ago like people didn't understand they just went into an aggressive calorie deficit. And that mm -hmm. that I can understand that is sort of okay in a world of health. When you get somebody that's morbidly obese mm. and you're trying to Essentially, to improve their quality of life, dropping weight is, is that's main importance. Yeah. So how you do that? There, you can do alternate day fasting. People will crack up. You can't starve people. Like these people aren't going to starve. So you got to look at these sometimes extreme methods of dropping body fat and dropping weight quickly to improve this person's health in the short term. But with with fighters, um, energy availability is absolutely crucial. Apparently. Uh, there's there's things like, you know, if you're on chronically under eating because you're trying to drop body fat, you know, you're you're there's a thing, a law of metabolic adaptation. So you talked about that guy that was that immediately went on to fifteen hundred calories mm -hmm. and then over a period of time it's like I can't drop weight. It's because essentially without going into too much detail, you got 
it's like anything, your body adapts to what it's on. Your body is constantly trying to stop your skew from dying. Yeah. I, I'm, well, that's I, what I, I can't yeah. explain any better. So you go 1,500 calories straight off the bat. I've got a fight in 15 weeks. Mm -hmm. Let's go here. 1,500 calories. I've got sparring sessions. I've got weight sessions. I've got all these things, but 1,500 calories. Your body will adapt to the point where it will down-regulate every single process within the body after a period of time it will down regulate neat which is your non-exercise non-non-activity activity thermogenesis they care loves that fucking term it'll down regulate your th the thermic effect of food that's like you're burning calories even when you're eating so it down regulates that um your digestive system is clearly affected by down, something like that. yeah down regulates metabolism because essentially all these processes even the calories you burn at rest and at sleep your bmr it will down regulate all that so you're, you're sort of in a catch-22 fucking doing yourself up a kipper mm -hmm. by, by doing that. Because, whereas if you are, say, 16 to 15, say you're 15 weeks out from a, from a fight and you've absolutely no idea what you're doing with your food and you're just going, nah, I need to get this weight off, like a fucking 20 kilos to lose or something like that there, you've got so much time. You've 15 weeks to lose 20 kilos. So if you're, say, like a 100 kilo guy, you're a guy that's fighting maybe light heavyweight, I presume, that's like maybe two five pounds or something. Yeah, yep. 93, 93, yes, 93 yeah. kilos. 93 yeah. kilos. I'm only saying that because like, that's just sort of what my weight is. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, you go on 1,500 calories, it's fucking ridiculous. You know, and I've seen it happening. You get a guy, like you work out what that guy's basal metabolic rate should be roughly and you don't take into consideration sort of like at the start maybe what his sessions are, but you look at his activity outside of the actual the training mm -hmm. and then you teach them how to eat at fucking maintenance mm -hmm. and you go right this is what we're going to be on you monitor like, I, I know this people say like oh this is actually fucking boring no, but look this is your job but no that's it like, this is your fucking job like you you're going in there to fight you're going in there to a crowd of people who've paid money and forget about the crowd fucking pride mm -hmm. optimizing your health and longevity in the sport 15 weeks of your whole life let's do this fucking properly and then what you learn going forward every fight you've got control you've autonomy in your own sort of 15 week process you get it because you get a guy that comes in and says no I mean I know your body better than 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 you do you're able to say no 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 hold on a minute mm. you don't I need you there for accountability mm. but let's talk about what we can do maybe I might want you to explain like let's talk about maybe better meal choice and stuff like that there, but I know where I'm at here what my energy balance is roughly and how to take this down gradually with with a fighter as well, the thing that sort of kills me, and I'm sort of getting out a lot of like panted up sort of because I see people fighters coming in here, and I know they've got nutritionists, and I know they've got. And I well, what's passing as a nutritionist? Don't get me started on that shit either. The fuck are they doing? Like what? But you can't, you cannot say this in this day and age in a shop where you're representing someone else's business. But you're going. You have to look at a fighter, especially someone who is relatively lean at the time. You know, like athletically lean mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like a guy who is three days out from a show lean I'm talking about somebody who is a low percentage of body fat um, but athletically lean you got to assess how much weight does that person actually need to lose as body fat mm. you know yeah, that, or that person doesn't have 12 kilos of body fat to lose no, like, we, you we know, see a lot of people try and lose too much weight too quickly and it gets to the point of diminishing returns yeah yeah 100% their athletic ability is completely compromised yeah you see a guy that's maybe banging out 10 rounds in the gym but he gets to the fight and he's done after a couple of minutes yeah, yeah. so there needs to be a lot of education in and around 
what's right for your body type. Whether yeah. it's going up a weight division, whether it's maintaining, whether it's even perhaps putting on a wee bit of mass. Yeah. I think well, that's something a lot of fighters just think I need to get as small as possible, as quick as, as quick possible, as possible yeah. then put it on as quick as possible and be as big as possible going in on fight night. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. And you, we, we spoke very briefly before we went on here about mm -hmm. McGregor there and uh, how good he looked at that 170 class. Whereas when he first went up that 170, mm -hmm. he. Now, I don't know, I don't want to put this guy down, mm -hmm. but he looked like he blew, was blown out his arse. It, yeah. And with i know that fight only lasted 40 seconds but he looked incredible he looked full of energy mm -hmm. he felt his even his whole attitude was different his persona had, even appeared different like he, he exuded something completely separate and if anybody's been living under a, a rock for the last week or so conor mcgregor beat cowboy Cerrone, one of the guys that holds the most records in the ufc history in under 40 seconds with outstanding veracity he looked fucking amazing his physique was full flush he looked fantastic compared to as Adam Brady pointed out his first foray into the welterweight division which was against uh, Diaz if you remember that he gassed very quickly and I think that might have been also the fact he was preparing for a 155 fight and he put on weight quickly yeah. and then he ha obviously has to then deal with a larger cardiovascular output carrying a wee bit more extra weight in the ring than I and, and that that whole thing brings you back to adaptation he has sat now didn't fight for two years he yeah. has had time at that weight your your body has a natural circadian rhythm it gets into it mm -hmm. what time you sleep you know yourself you get up at six every morning after a period of time your body wakes up at six mm -hmm. you know if you're eating if you're on a meal plan and you're eating every two to three hours if you decide to go off track after 12 weeks your body is starving yeah you get hungry they, and the, the body is is the body's fucking unreal like it is class and that's why i love it in the way it just adapts to certain inputs, what you're putting into it, how you're treating it, how, like, the routine you've got it into. McGregor had a year, everything, all his body, it's almost like he, he got his body into the, the homeostasis it needed for that to be in that 100, sit at that 170 point. Mm -hmm. He almost probably fucking was sitting at 169, 168, just quite comfortably. They didn't have to make weight. So every process in McGregor's body at that time how he nutrient partitioned, how substrate utilization, you know, all these different things that goes on whenever you're 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 dieting. His body was used to being at that weight, dealing with what he was putting into it for a long period of time. So everything in his training, like came came as part of that. You know, it, it started working. So it, it's hard to explain, but you know, it's like you're sitting at one five five, then all of a sudden you got put on stone. And then you've got to go in and fight. You feel sluggish because your body is having to like catch up with what the fuck you're doing to it. Yeah. How much weight you put on. It's like putting on a weighted vest and going and trying to do the same 5k time. It's yeah. impossible. It's it, it, it becomes the heart has to labour more, everything has is, is more is having to work a lot harder. Whereas you sit at 170 for a year and then fight at 170, your body has been used to dealing with what's going on within its own body, within its within the system you know, for that length of time and it's had time to deal with it. But when you're when you've got a fighter as well that has a lot of weight to lose, there's so many different things like I mean, we'll talk about it, you know, sort of you can lose people talk about losing eight kilos if they lose eight kilos. So there can be a lot of weight like weight lost, even up to fight through like creatine, glycogen and water, water from your blood, water from other places like sodium hormones and then fibre from your intestines. You would not believe Things like fibre manipulation, um, dropping sodium out mm -hmm. a couple of days before, um, things like even this is the other thing that sort of that gets me the creatine part. 
uh, creatine's like fucking forget about any supplement. Like creatine has this stigma of putting on weight, uh, but it is probably it is the most tried and tested ergogenic aid on the planet, next to caffeine. And I would say there's a fair degree of fighters not using it for the fear that they won't be able to drop the weight, weight as quick. Now, so what would be the most sensible way to go about using it as a as a fighter? So like. If you, have, if you have somebody, now fair enough, you have somebody that's on creatine mm -hmm. and has always taken it and has gone into that headspace, again, body's used to it, deals with it, and the loading phase maybe wouldn't be that, wouldn't be, wouldn't be it's not necessary, in fact, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's impractical, it's not necessary. Uh, but if you get somebody who's maybe six weeks out from a fight, um, you, you, you can get them to load. So, so creatine, if you load on creatine, that means basically taking a 20 gram dose of creatine and four separate doses through a day. So four times five grams of creatine mm -hmm. throughout the week. Scientifically proven that the, your creatine levels won't come down to baseline for roughly about 28 days after that. So if you get somebody who's five weeks out from a fight, say you get them to load on the fifth week before the fight and then you strip, you take it out and allow them to like continue on in their weight weight loss endeavours. They still have the benefits of the creatine. They still have the benefits of the creatine. Now, here's the other thing. If they're doing fucking brilliant at their weight cut and the weight's coming off still, keep it in. Load. See how they're getting on with their weight loss. If the weight hasn't changed that much, keep it in. Because there's so many more power output benefits, you know, muscular adaptations, you know, endurance improvements through the use of creatine. Um... The, the other thing is, is obviously you're going to be doing this glycogen depletion, so that's that's another thing. When What I would do with a fighter is, you you basically want to get to the two or three days before and know, like if you've got a fighter that cater, like sort of consistently comes in maybe three kilos, four kilos too heavy, you want to do almost like practice runs at all this stuff for the fighter. Mm -hmm. So you get a fighter six weeks out, right? We're 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 going to glycogen to pizza here for three days, and we're going to we're going to fight now and see what the performance is like. And see what the performance or... is like. But there's still adapt like muscular adaptations can still be made if you if you take a fighter through three days, say for instance, of recovery sessions or moderate intensity um, training sessions on a low carbohydrate like low carbohydrate recover like train low recover low and sleep low you can actually improve that fighter's metabolic flexibility mm. without too much compromise of their actual performance uh, you then also see over those three days weight drop so you know like right okay we have two kilos to lose fucking sweet yeah two kilos is nothing mm. two kilos is nothing two kilos is nothing so three ki two kilos three kilos four kilos <coughs> you know you obviously there's like muscle glycogen there's level liver glycogen there's blood plasma there's different ways there's glycogen stored in different parts of the body you can deplete that find out how much of the weights come off and then you know there's one faction of weight loss that's not body fat related you've also got like i've i've got here as well you've got obviously like fiber manipulation so you have got things like in the la I, I did this with a fella before and the fucking weight he dropped was unreal and he felt great mm. low residue so you get somebody in the last week uh, this is the other thing last six weeks if a, if a fighter's not for the all about like tracking calories you might want to get them on the meal plan so mm. you have control you ask to get, get them to like, tell you what foods they like mm. you get them on a meal plan that adheres to the calorie deficit they need to be in to sort of maintain muscle, muscle mass and optimise performance and then if you've got a bit of weight in the last week to lose, 
low residue dad fiber manipulation you can still drop like you can drop like upwards of a kilo just by dropping the fiber down when the you say low residue what, what sort of you're aiming at specific types of, of fiber then you're talking about low residue fiber like eggs meat fish it's your high protein way. basically you're going for high protein high fat virtually like in a ketogenesis it, all, it almost is like you could yeah you could say it's like it's like a keto ketogenic diet yeah but it's basically just clearing sort of any so obviously sit there's like uh, there's stuff sits in your gut in your intestines all right and um you've got things like gastric emptying so some foods like have a high rate of gastric emptying some some foods don't so essentially you put them on foods that have a high rate of gastric emptying high like like sort of eggs meat fish dairy whey low fiber veg things like that there low fiber then what you got it's passing through the gut easy mm -hmm. and it's clearing any of the fiber giving it time to clear any of the fiber that was was sort of sitting there mm -hmm. There's another means of getting rid of body weight without actually dropping body fat. Yes. You're still able to, as I say, stick to that, right? We've got eggs there, we've got meat, we've got fish, we've got dairy. So if this person, say, for instance, is on 1,800 calories, you can make up 1,800 calories with that food. Easily. No bother. But you can get enough dietary protein, protein in through all those foods, but they've dropped weight. And the other thing is, is like, you know, the, the one thing I would say is in the last week, you guys would know this, like fucking panic stations. Everyone's sort of like, but and you you mentioned like water retention. So the worst thing anyone can be in the week leading up is shitting their pants, like sort of oh I'm panicking because like mm -hmm. you get urinary cortisol, like reacts with aldosterone, and then what happens? Water retention. Yeah. So you so, got to keep your fighter chilled. You got to go right, mate. We're going to fucking listen to a bit of Bob Marley here. We're going to relax. Which yeah, it, which, get it, them. which is hard to do if a fighter is not it's, at the point of losing weight where they yeah. want to be. And yeah. also the fact they have that performance anxiety coming up, which is oh, performance anxiety, and I, I, I cl classify performance anxiety and nerves as two different things. Performance anxiety is an outside influence. You're yeah. worried about how you're going to appear to another. And it's not Whereas, just specific to fighting performance anxiety. No, it is not indeed. No, no. We've all been there. First aid syndrome. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Oh shit! You you mentioned cortisol there, um, and cortisol is recognized as the stress hormone. Yeah, and that appears in many many different ways and for many many different reasons 100%. in a human being. Yeah. So I mean, you've touched on one or two there um, that are, can can happen to any person. You know, you could feel anxiety, stress, or strain, and cortisol is released into the body. But also for a fighter, what specific damage can can the the sort of increased level of cortisol have? for a, a performance athlete. It doesn't have to be a fighter this amount as a performance athlete. Well, like a performance athlete, you know, it can severely restrict sort of like training adaptations. Yep. Uh, I mean, in terms of like cortisol, obviously you've got like the water weight, retention of water weight and stuff like that there, which isn't good if you're trying to drop weight, but any form of stress in the body, whether it be metabolic stress, whether it be training stress, whether it be outside stress, as you say, can affect cortisol levels and can affect you physically and mentally. And I believe this is where like keeping a fighter well fed, you know, making sure they have enough energy available to mm -hmm. them is gonna is gonna rapidly decrease their chance of high cortisol levels mm -hmm. because their body is under obviously stress from the fighting and a lot of energy output. And if you're not feeding it enough or not giving it enough food, again it's 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 a stress. It's not it's a stress like it's not a life stress, stress, but it's a it's a stressor on the body. You know, you've if if you've got a fighter who's overtraining or under stress to make weight, 
then you got a mental stress coupled with a physical stress of like we over overtrain underperform. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in simplistic terms, how many yeah. times have you got a fighter that's severely depleting their calorie intake, going into a session, not performing the way they should, that compounds the level of stress that they're feeling and yeah. then they just end up putting their own head away. Yeah. yeah. We actually discussed this literally as we were standing downstairs from it. You uh, you guys are away. probably your your guys are probably like, you know, say uh, Psychiatrists, as well, well like you know, psychologists, therapists, like everything. Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, it, but I think that's one of the things that also you touched on that earlier on that you moved away from the personal training aspect of of what's now called the fitness industry. But whenever I was working in it a long time ago, it was called the health and fitness industry. Health has yeah, now been dropped out of it because yeah. nobody gives a single fuck about their health or just want to get a six pack <laughs> yeah. and use Instagram. Um, but I think that. It, in, in, in that way you touched on that as a personal trainer that you would you would see that sort of damage that a person's doing to themselves ultimately through yeah. the stresses and strains of of what they they're trying to achieve that in turn affects you you become like a counselor for them over a period of time and that's a real thing in the combat sports world you hear it all the time with boxing coaches specifically boxing coaches but it can be any form of coach whether it be athletics or combat sports or any sort of fighting where yeah. you have a close relationship with a with a competitor or yeah. a, a person who you're coaching when, when i was a professional counselor there's such a mm -hmm. condition known as compassion fatigue and that is a quantifiable condition whereby you take on and you absorb, it's almost like osmosis, you yeah. absorb the stresses of the people you're working with because you're a compassionate, empathetic being. Yeah. And then that compounds a level of stress you feel in your life. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredibly difficult. And that's why a lot of the time, I think the, the cutoff point for a lot of people working professionally in counselling is in and around four to five years. Oh God, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how anybody know comes how away with it. Really without being a drug addict or without being an alcoholic. And that's not a joke. I have friends who work in counselling and... We had it, we're talking about it recently there in social work and counselling about how damaging that is to that person. So I know obviously then we're, we're digressing ever so slightly, but you look at that in, in a weird way coming from a well, coaching perspective. Lifestyle, it's also yeah. it impacts upon lifestyle as does anything else. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, I take my hat off to anyone who does it uh, because even that sort of PT and aspect of it where you're sort of seeing coming, someone coming in and maybe like yourselves in a fighter who is repeating the same negative process Drives towards their fight, mm. every fight. But it it's again, it's a mental aspect because it's part of the process. Yeah. I spoke to a guy at a wedding, I, I annoyingly can't remember his name, but he fought for a title at Clan Wars and then he got robbed and that was the whole Wait, the story. It says he got robbed. Yeah, I, actually- I don't side, want to mention any names now because I, they, I think I know that the yeah, guy you're talking about, but I don't want to mention a name because then you think of the guy who did win and then yeah. it's like- But it's, this sound fella, like the, the guy actually apparently like broke this other guy's arm in the fight and still lost it. And like, it was like, right. you know, but he spoke to me about um, Wayans and he was talking about like getting, having to, like getting carried in and, you know, they get locked in the sauna. They get locked in the sauna. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I just spoke to him. Obviously, when you're sitting in a wedding environment, whereas like now, like we talk about cortisol minus through my ears at the minute, because obviously like, <laughs> there's a camera, there's a phone, there's a microphone, and that people ask me questions and my head's going blank sporadically. But when I'm in that environment, I'm talking to this guy about like, this is obviously a very enthralling conversation at a wedding for this guy, but he was, he was enjoying it. So I was like, I'm not boring him too much. But he was, by the end of it, after we spoke, I was like, well, you know, instead of doing that, did your did nobody ever speak to you about doing this, or did mm. nobody ever speak to you about like fiber manipulation, glycogen depletion, but making sure you're optimizing your protein levels, and you can do that, and you can actually drop body weight, and you know you might have been under a lot of stress and having to lose. And he was like, man, 
you've just blew my fucking mind. He was half caught at the time. He's like, you've just blown. He's like, you've just blown my fucking mind. You're like, a wizard, Harry. I, I was like, look, mate, I'm, I, I only know again. Like you talk about nutritional bias and people just passing on things that they have done in their own thing. I'm yeah, just yeah, passing yeah. on some really smart fuckers information that I paid to get. You know, like yeah, that's essentially what this again, is. But it's scientifically researched. It's to help someone in a fighting protocol do it the right way in order to learn the correct procedure time and time again to maintain their immune system, their health, whilst optimizing their performance in the octagon or in the ring or whatever it may be. And, you know, not essentially, like, this is the thing, and we're going off track again, but create these negative stigmas and negative approaches towards food and nutrition. Mm. How many people in weight-making Industries Combat have a sports have have an have a yeah. I, I go back you know. to a very long time ago whenever uh, we used to train and whenever I was competing and I trained in a couple of different gyms at the time and I was training in Frank M. Conville's Thai gym which was in uh, Frames in Belfast yeah. and uh, this is Jamie Crawford you fucking nearly gave me an eating disorder um, I think we all nearly had <laughs> eating disorders at that point I literally probably walked around about 69 kilos and fought at 70 because there was no other weight there was no weight lower than 70 kilos in MMA and literally every time we walked into the gym we just go you fat bastard and like yeah. it didn't matter how that was a different time like was there, there was, there was <laughs> no there was no understanding of how good shape no matter who the fuck it was it was like you fat cunt to get shit yeah. and we're like you're going to give each other no you would never do that oh, I know could, I would never could, do that and you wouldn't do it but, you um, but back just... then we were really like cruel to one another and it was that negative sort of every time just like picking each other it was part of the game as far as I was concerned I kind of enjoyed the banter of it all well, too. St- you still see it in gyms now if a guy comes in a little bit over it because your fight weight isn't your walk around weight no. your fight weight is what you kill yourself to make so if somebody's 10 kilos over it's like nah you fat fucker look at the state of yeah. you and it's maybe standing there ripped the bits away abs but because he's maybe 10 kilo over what, right. he, what he fights at um, you mentioned the word there maintenance yeah. which I think is incredibly important that I think we, we veer off maintenance and sustainability yeah. as something especially in the fight world yeah. that we veer off so often because guys make weight they fight and then they go missing for a week they go missing for a week and a half yeah. and a 66 kilo fighter will maybe come back well into the 80s yeah. and there's an element of sort of binge and purge yeah. oh, going, on, yeah, going I, on with fighters I see them coming in here yeah. all the time and, and that that is the problem again if you've got a fighter and you've had them like sort of uberly restricted their calories their body has become accustomed to dealing performing training living sleeping fidgeting you know on that energy availability then after a fight you spike it three times your body has absolutely no option but to like store all the excesses like adipose tissue and like all this it it just it it just goes well I don't fucking know what to do with this here Mm -hmm. so it's like that that's what happens whereas it's like a hoarding granny. Yeah, it's it's basically the, th- the, <laughs> spare, ah, the spare rooms, the spare ah, rooms, fucking full of newspapers. Ah, absolutely unbelievable. But this is like these. Are, you try to explain to someone, look, let have your day, mm-hmm. go and fight, have the crack, go out with your mates, have a big feed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you two, three days grace here, and then we're going to do a reverse diet and protocol. We're going to like detrain you slightly bring you down so therefore you're you've basically got a, a, a indirectly proportional curve you've got somebody who's getting their calories gradually gradually increased mm-hmm. and you're detraining them bringing them down and down mm-hmm. so you're creating that surplus through a mixture of slight increase in calories slight decrease in intensity and in training 
instead of like no training fucking eating a heap and then yeah, quite like, literally a feast or a famine it's a feast or a famine and the body quite literally for want of a better scientific phrase shits itself mm. and doesn't know now on the other side of things you talked about like the problems with um, restricting calories <clears throat> so there's a thing there's a thing which is known as like relative energy relative energy deficiency syndrome so like you have got people who have been grossly under eating for a long time mm-hmm. and this is what happens then formerly female athlete tried but it doesn't obviously just affect women I was going to say that's a female I'm actually going to yeah. not to spell a myth but I was going to perpetuate a myth there I was yeah. going to say is that not specifically related to female athletes because I've heard about it in athletics in, yeah. uh, in things like gymnastics all those sort of things where females are specifically restricting their calories so so badly yeah. that then whenever they try and return to they end up with this syndrome I've heard of it before well, I well it was, that, that, that was initially what it was brought it was brought out that's why it was called formerly female athlete trad and they've changed it because they realize that like decline in metabolic rate is gender not gender specific Mm -hmm. and that's what it does also like menstrual function disruption obviously that's more or less that's females but you've also got male sex steroid hormone production you know if you are basically nothing you and you're not getting enough dietary fats and into yourself as a male then you're fucking doing yourself up a kipper because this is the thing I laugh about. Mm. Everyone's looking testosterone. Uh, like three times a day, we get somebody going, oh, I need a testosterone booster. But they're fucking restricting dietary fats. And I'm like, yeah. Like, what? What are you doing? Do you know what I mean? And then. I think after a specific age, though, like, I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm 42 now. Testosterone levels of a male have significantly dropped. Oh, it's science. It will yeah, happen. Sig- significantly dropped. Although you don't stop producing testosterone until you croak. Yeah, I mean, 100%. You're still... You're sp- and the difference between 30, 40-year-olds and some 70-year-olds is like... Negligible. Negligible. Yeah. And this is the thing. So as you're saying, like... I mean, I have... At the minute, I got mind tests. They're not ongoing. I mean, Peter laugh because I, like, I have the testosterone of a fucking woodland squirrel. Like, it's horrendous. <laughs> but like, and people look at me and go, you must be on something. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? And like... I mean, I my blood profile is really quite like underwhelming. Do you know what I mean in terms of testosterone? But it's as as a a smarter man, way smarter man than me once said. He says it, it's high enough for what you need. Yeah. You know, you're doing a lot more endurance. You're not looking to build slabs and slabs of muscle. You just want to be fit, perform optimally, and be healthy. Healthy. So as long as it's in the normal range, essentially why are you looking for that that more but as again with this gross restriction of calories and this sort of propensity for like coaches to go right fatty you know that's you no more reason for you they're they're i know it's it's an i know what they're trying to do they're trying to get this guy to lose weight because they've got to get on to a fight and he represents him and he wants him to look good but at the same time it's going to come back full circle. Mm. It's going to be like a really, really recurring nightmare with the same fighter because they, they, they only know what they learn. So like, as I say, you you know, there's so many things as well you have to think about whenever you're dieting the fighter to make a weight. Yeah. You have to think about like bone health, immunity, like protein synthesis and their cardiovascular health. And when you restrict calories to a gross level, you are compromising every single one of those. And that is essentially what... That that is the engine room behind everything working behind any performance behind you know, it doesn't matter what doesn't sort of performance what it is like you know there's a, 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 a it's not new it's fact it's it's ancient um in sort of weight loss and performance based sports where there has to be a specific weight and it's the water loading phase 
mm. right? And water loading is something that I gotta be. I love this. Oh, it's, brilliant! It's something, it's something I never. something I never did. No, because I, I, I hate it. Yeah, I absolutely hate it. I, I, tried, sorry. I didn't do it. I it it's pesh. You know what? I didn't half, do it either. Halfway through it once, and I was like, "This isn't for me no. at all." And then seeing guys doing it and getting very little benefit for the amount oh, that they're putting into it yeah, and, and how much in. of an impact that's having even on their day-to-day -day life like a friend of mine is a, a van driver mm -hmm. and a fighter so he's driving all over the country trying to beat as much water as he can in himself he's having to stop at the side of the road he's having to keep a two-year yeah. bottle in the back of his van to piss in yeah and it's just that, that's not that's not good for you you shouldn't be so, doing that to yourself no no definitely not so for people who are not as uh worldly wise regarding water loading Adam explain really what the process of this practice is so like you when you basically what it says is now I know people say eight nine ten liters but yep. essentially it's water loading is always body weight dependent and usually I know it's lean body mass and stuff but usually when you get a guy who's water loading he's shredded yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, the it's the last week the last, it's, it's the last the week fight. the body body fat is completely and utterly well shouldn't be part of your thought process no because be the, the majority of it is gone so your water intake it's increasing at about 75 mil per kilo all right four or five days out from a comp um what happens is essentially aldosterone uh sort of connects with your ADH, your anti-diuretic hormone, mm -hmm. all right, goes down, increases your urine, urine, urine output, mm -hmm. all right. So your aldosterone is a corticosteroid made in the adrenal glands, and it, it, it they all work in the collecting duct, and it works salt. So it, yep. like, it, it sort of, um, what's the word? Conducts how much salt you bring into the water. So the, the regulation body. of salt. Regulation of salt intake. Or salt intake in the body. And ADH is a peptide hormone made in the brain, and it, causes water uptake. Mm -hmm. So the two work proportional to one another. And when you obviously push all this water in, what happens is aldosterone, ADH goes down, your urine output goes up. All right, so you are pissing like a racehorse. Mm -hmm. Then what you get is you get one or two days out. It could be one day or two days out, and then you immediately go like to 10 mils per kilogram in yeah. terms of body weight. So for a 90 kilo, that's like, that's like 0.9 of a liter. Mm. All right, so that's fuck all squared. You're essentially badly dehydrated. Urine output is still high, so you're still peeing because you're peeing all that fluid intake because you've dropped salt now as well. So you've dropped salt two days out. You've almost, you've conned your body. You've conned your body. Yes, the fluid intake you get a greater fluid loss then from that. Okay, but this is and I've written here in reality, right? So you are trying to trick. And this is what I love. You are trying to trick the most intricate fucking vessel that has ever been around. Like, you've got spaceships, you've got cars, you've got all these... The human body is like the most complicated, most self-regulating vessel in the world. It's the most intelligent vessel in the world. You're trying to out-trick it by fucking 10 litres of water into yeah, your body. Yeah, just by pouring water into it. And people think it's the same as, like, tablets. People take a tablet to try and uh, substitute a process that happens through a series of chemical reactions that the body has been programmed to do from the from, time. From what existed? From existence, all right? So essentially, like, you're trying, like, the fluid balance in your body is far too tightly regulated. Like, it, it's, it, it's regulated in your body, and you, it, you can't really trick it. So you can drop water intake very slightly as the week goes on, but there is absolutely no necessity to take 10 litres of water. Plus, no. the amount of stress you're causing on your body is 
unbelievable. We go back to what the stresses were only 10 minutes ago in a conversation. That's yeah. another one that, I, in my opinion, I hate hearing people doing it. I think it's a last ditch attempt most yeah. of the time. I don't like even the principles behind it. I understood the majority of it. You've definitely enlightened me a great deal there on some of the chemical reactions with mm. water loading. But I just think it's one of those things that as a combat sports professional or an amateur competing at a high level, you just simply don't need to do it. It's not a rite of passage. Yeah. It's just something that has... Yeah, you're not, you're, not earning, you're not earning strikes by doing it. No. Is, uh, would the alternative just be smarter regulation throughout the course of a fight camp instead of leaving it to the last week and having to almost do it in a frenzied panic? Yeah, 100%. You're, every week of your process leading up to a fight should be a fucking practice run. Like Everything you do leading up to your water intake in a week, even, like let's say you're doing a session, you can, you can, act, you can weigh your fighter before, right? So... Octagon's five by five minute rounds championship fights, mm -hmm. or a, a, I don't know, it'll be three by five minute rounds. You can um, you can simulate a fight. You can weigh a fighter who is on a meal plan and eating relatively the same things all day. So it's not really the food. The training's essentially roughly the same every day. Um, you can weigh them before they go in and do 10 three minute rounds because mm -hmm. you're essentially trying to train them to be able to withstand more than they're going to take in a fight you can't emulate the, yes. the, the process, the, the process of, a of a fight because there's so many things other than that you know there's adrenaline there's all sorts of different things going on in a fight that wouldn't be happening in a training session but you can weigh them before you can then weigh them afterwards and that you can you can measure the rate of water loss so you know they have lost X amount of weight and it's through sweat yeah so sweat rates so you can measure this and then you can then filter the, this into how much water you're feeding them, giving them enough water that they, that they need. But, you know, with their dad essentially. So when you're, when you're giving them loads of water anyway, like what happens is like hypertremia. So like naturally you take more water and you, you expel more water. Yeah. Like it's, it's fucking science. Like it has to go somewhere. But I mean, so that's what I think people are. It's, as you said, you're trying to hack the most... Like advanced machine ever on planet Earth, yeah, and it simply doesn't work. Yeah, it, do, it, it just simply doesn't work. You're, as you said, like shocker. By taking more water, you piss more. Yeah. And another shocking news today: the sky has been confirmed to be fucking blue. We're, yeah. we're guilty about in the fight game. We demonise water. Yes, we do. Of we, we, do. we demonise the process of, of taking water on board, and your body fucking needs, needs it. it. I remember six, six, what is it, sixty-seven to seventy percent water. So it's like. It, it obviously if you have no water in your body you're dead we, I like, remember so you need you need water and like whenever you're whenever you're coming up to a fight you can drop water very very slightly you can moderate it yes but the fact is you and mad look people will people will fucking do what they're gonna do like I, 700 to 1000 people can listen to this and nobody can go well, it worked for me the last time and that guy's like a stammering idiot I'm not listening to fucking him so I'm just like going I'm just going like I'm not listening to him. He doesn't know what to talk about. He's never stepped inside a knockdown. He's never had to make a weight cut. But I've done two shows without doing it. And yeah. I've been visibly, probably, I'm aesthetically not probably the best, but visibly the leanest on stage. And I haven't done a water loading protocol both times because it was fucking stressful. Mm. And yeah. it was making me panic. And I was holding water and I was stressed out. My training was taking a dip. My mental side was taking a dip. It wasn't practical. Most of these guys that you were training 
have fucking jobs as well. I, yeah. I see them coming in here, they're wearing like sparks uniforms or doing yeah, so the physical labour in certain cases a lot of the times too, people work in building in the building trade or work in like renovations or as you said, like sparks or anything like that where guys and girls are working hard through yeah. it. It's physical. You're, you're burning a lot of calories. Yeah. You're trying to blast all this garbage into your system and in certain cases they're not they're not recovering well enough either. Yeah. That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about is specifically regarding recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily following competition but more or less following training to how the person can be optimal for another training session so um, I always said if you play hard you need to recover equally as hard yeah yeah yeah. Um, I think that that's missed a lot of the time especially when you're younger because you recover a lot quicker and you don't seem to give too much of a fuck but nowadays what I'm watching is I'm watching a lot of guys really really knock their bollocks in in any form of training but then want to come back and do it again the next day and wonder why their performance is dipping yeah. so Tips, yeah, tips on recovery. Yeah, on the transverse of that, we see a lot of guys who are maybe in fight camp and they do a really hard session and because it's after six o'clock, they're like, oh, fuck, I can't go home and eat. Can't go home and eat. I'm not allowed to go home and eat. Bullshit myth. You know, and then then they're they're starving themselves after a really tough session Mm -hmm. where their their muscles are depleted, their cardio has been depleted in a hard session until maybe eight o'clock, nine o'clock the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, this is... This is obviously, you know, again, could fall on deaf ears completely. And there is so many, there is so many ways you can answer this. But if you're do with a fighter specifically, you need to explain to them that, like, you know, it, I know people talk about that anabolic window, which is a little bit of a myth mm-hmm. in terms of like you need to get like hundred grams of cyclic dextrin in you afterwards with fifty grams of protein, and you're, you'll lose all your gains. Yeah, but is that not specific to the person as well? There's no test being performed on no, that guy. So I mean, no. if you listen to some of the people that are are peddling that, yeah, they are literally doing muscle biopsies on these guys. They are you know taking everybody's you know measurements from virtually every form of nutrient or macronutrients going in and out of that body so yes they can make that decision yeah. based on what that athlete needs but what phil needs is different from what i need which is different from what you need so mm. that's one of my fucking pet hates is people talking mad shit without performing any tests or any scientific backup on it so yeah how do you recover smart quite simply recovering smart is like have your day planned out for a start so like i mean again I spoke about it at the start, meal timing becomes a little bit more important than the performance game, all right? So, I mean, this is another thing about knowing about what your body's energy requirements is. If you're fucking winging it, then again, you're going to get two weeks out from a fight and you have eaten so healthily and been so good, but you've still fucking all this weight to lose just mm. because healthy food can still be too much for you. You can mm. still be eating too much healthy food. You can overeat protein, put yourself into a surplus and still not lose weight. So plan your day out, plan your meals out. If you've got a fighter who's got a bit of time and isn't too bad, you think it's a, 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 he can make this weight relatively comfortably, with heavy intense sessions, plan a meal. If he's had two sessions a day, plan a high degree of his, his calorie intake in and around that sort of heavy session. Yeah, and you say there that obviously with recovery as well, carbohydrates are vitally important. They're yeah, vitally uh, important. Like they're, people they're, shy away from carbs. They treat carbs as if it's like, I don't know, it's one of the worst things in the planet Earth. Oh, I can't have carbs. Carbs will make you fat. Carbs will put on weight. And that's all. We when know you're, when, you're, when you're overeating, the carbohydrates are not the fucking problem. It's the fats you're eating along with them that then get stored as fat because you can't, you're can't. you eating too many carbohydrates. Your body's not burning yeah. through them. And then what's the secondary source of energy in the body? In most cases, is fat. fat. Mm-hmm. So you're not digging into those stores. This is why when you have somebody who says ketogenic is unbelievable because it's no carbohydrates, essentially you've got them in a calorie deficit, but your body is primarily then changing fats as its primary energy source. Again, 
you can do this with the fighter. Fat adaptation can happen in five, in five days, so you can actually get a fighter to deal and recover on a low carbohydrate protocol, but still making sure they get enough energy, so you can recover a fighter on fats and proteins, have some carbohydrates maybe before, they might give them like, if they're feeling a wee bit low, give them a, a fast acting form of carbohydrates sort of 15 to 30 minutes before, along with, say we'll talk about supplements, but a little bit of a mild, a mild ca caffeine supplementation just to mm -hmm. get them through, and then during the session, if they're in a deficit, you might give them some, like a branch chain amino acid, just to ensure they're getting some sort of amino acid profile flowing through. And then afterwards, you say to them, right, okay, what I want to do is have incorporated in. When you talk about recovery, science has proven that really all you need post-workout, providing energy availability is there outside of your training window. All you really need is a fast-acting, digesting way, like a concentrate or a casing. Yep. 15 to 30 minutes post-workout to avoid mm -hmm. any sort of muscle protein breakdown. So turning around to someone and says, you know, we need to get some fast-acting carbs and you straight after you train. Mm, in my opinion, you don't. If the right. person's getting enough energy in, you want to make sure they're getting a fast-acting form of whey after, relatively soon after a heavy session. And then before bed, you might then say to them, look, what we're going to do tonight here is if they've got, you might want to say, look, what I want you to go home in is have an omelette, maybe a little bit of fruit. That's grand. Yeah. Don't don't demonize the fruit. But people do, yeah, the medical fructose and obviously if the sugars that exist naturally in fruit, people are saying like, okay, that, that's too much calories, you're putting in a lot of calories, you're taking in too many sugars as well. Yeah. Which we all know is complete and utter pish. Yeah, so post post workout with supplementation. So like a like a whey isolate or something like that, would it be the, the, the most uh, efficient means for a performance athlete? If somebody can take a whey concentrate and it doesn't affect their gut, it's probably the best form mm -hmm. of protein to take. A whey protein isolate, obviously in most cases has like lactose taken out of it. Mm -hmm. Obviously there's still a bit of dairy in it, but GMOs removed, gluten's removed, it's low sugar. So, you know, you can give them a whey protein isolate. Um, ideally, another thing we talked about is, is creatine, creatine Obviously, it's more consistency for timing, but you ideally can be taken post-workout, um, like in, in your shake, 15 to 30 minutes afterwards to make sure you're you're optimizing any adaptations that have happened within the training. Um, Supplementation-wise, that's really like after after training, the only thing that I would really Recommend. give them. That's that, I mean, you can go, I've seen a lot of fighters go into like, you know, vitamin C and all this here. Realistically speaking, in terms of supplementation, vitamin D, fish oil, creatine, whey protein. Some people don't like whey protein, I get it. They can't take it with their gut. It isn't absolutely, if you're getting enough. If I had someone and they said, oh, I, I take a shake and I don't get enough protein in my diet, I'd say, well, okay, well, here's a good, fast-acting, easily mm -hmm. digestible like way of getting it in. But it's not absolutely crucial, but it can help in terms of recovery where where you may be in a restrictive sort yeah. of diet might help with your recovery post-workout and then apart from that there's you can go down then in the lines of like things like beta alanine what's caffeine. that so beta beta alanine is an intracellular buffer of like hydrogen ions so it's sort of it's more a lot of people it's in pre-workouts and it's a thing it's a thing for anyone that's listening that causes you to want to scratch your face off so it's <laughs> They come in and go, I, I love that. I love that feeling of scratching your face off. But it's not really that beneficial to the bodybuilder 
because it's it's more beneficial for somebody whose exercise lasts 90 seconds plus yeah so it would benefit the fighter um when you've got a, th- a fight a three minute round and you've got obviously there's power output going on but there is a mixture of energy systems being used there is obviously a lot of anaerobic aerobic sort of it depends with that you would have to measure heart rates and stuff like that there and what they're doing but it would benefit a fighter but again it needs to be there's a protocol to it so like you would load uh, that's another thing you can load for 10 weeks on like i think it's 8320 milligrams per day over four to eight feedings this is the same as the creatine this is whether it's yeah, practical yeah. or not and then you would have a maintenance dose leading on further so if you had someone that was 15 weeks out this is ideally if they haven't taken mm-hmm. beta alanine when you would get them onto the beta alanine and you would get them loading on it and then a maintenance dose of it's four four thousand one hundred and sixty milligrams per day and it's better taken in microdoses again two to three to avoid that real paresthesia, that tingling yeah. that goes on in the face, because that can be quite awkward. Buying a bunch of tramadol or something? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then your creatine, three to five grams a day, you know, creatine, like, obviously helps to recycle ATP in the cells of the muscle and the brain, so you're essentially getting it in through, like, red meat, oily fish as well, mm-hmm. but you get very small amounts of it, and then essentially what's happening is your body's going, oh, brilliant. I've run out of it, what, my, my dietary pool of it, I've got some more here. I've got some more. And that's when they talk about eking out that extra rep or running just that, getting that. It's very good like for repeated sprint performance and stuff like that there and striking power output, yeah. things like that, especially under fatigue. Under, they did studies with people who were sleep deprived and did two studies and it actually improved performance of sleep deprived athletes mm. in comparison you know, to yeah. normal, so they it even so there is science behind it. It's not again. Oh, we, I, 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 endless, like. and you you mentioned a, a, a t or ATP there. So it's a denosine triphosphate. Yeah, and that's obviously what the body really uses as an energy source over yeah. a period of yeah. time. So if anybody was wondering what the fuck ATP is, that's exactly what it is. I wonder you mentioned uh, aminos, amino uh-huh. supplements. Aminos sometimes are taking a bit of a bashing here online at the minute. Uh-huh. Um, now, a lot of people are saying like there's no real benefit to the use of aminos. Yeah, I've used them a few times. Um, I know my partner uses them quite a lot. She finds there's a great benefit to them. What's your view on the use of amino acid supplements? Now, first of all, what are? Explain what amino acids are. I know what they are, but give a quick breakdown of amino acids. So branched chain amino acids are the three amino groups that are sort of responsible for recovery, reparation of like muscles. So yep. you've got like obviously like you break down proteins, you get amino, amino acids. acids. Mm-hmm. Without going, that that's about as far as I'm going so to aminos really are. So aminos are, br- are building blocks, protein. protein in its molecular form, so mm-hmm. to speak. And there there's so many different amine groups and amino acids in the body that have completely different roles to play within the body. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, if I tried to name it off, I couldn't. Like no, no, there is, <laughs> there is. But the main one that they talk about in terms of muscular adaptation and making sure that you have enough of it. In your food and enough and they talk about this leucine threshold yeah. so leucine is or l-leucine as well so there yeah people talk about branched chain amino acids and i understand why because branched chain amino acids, essentially when we you go back to energy availability there is nothing that substitutes for real food because you know the amount of branched chain amino acids you need to drink powder form to get what you get out of a six rounds chicken breast <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. so people say oh it's exactly the same well it's fucking 
It's definitely not. You would die if all you drank was branch chain amino acids for six So we should try that for a study. Oh, no. oh man. Can this you imagine is David Blaine locked in David Blaine locked, like, yeah. locked in a glass box. Just piping aminos. Chains. Yeah, like, just like, piping aminos into him, see how long he lasts. They got him out after a week. Like, he'd be pretty shredded. <laughs> yeah. But like, it wouldn't be very healthy. But he could probably like wizard himself out in the night, though, and come down for a fucking chicken burger. Yeah. that's No, it's the, the, the thing is, like um, when you talk about branch chain amino acids, there is conflicting ideologies. Yeah. If I went into the course that I did, and when you listen to like, the likes of James Smith and you listen to the likes of all these guys that are making a lot of money, they're smart guys. Where, what did you do your course? It's MNU, so mm. Mag, Mag Nutrition Uni. I hope I don't lose my accreditation after this, but like, no, after, this, after this eight years. This will increase it. Like this, this guy, I mean, is very sort of science-based researched evidence yeah. based and like to be fair James Smith is exactly the same all these guys talk a lot of sense yeah. when he's talking about intermittent fasting when he's talking about paleo and keto the guys they're they, really really high like James Smith anybody doesn't, doesn't know who James Smith is he's a guy who didn't reply to my message when he was over here for his book tour so up yours James um, no he's doing a book tour here he's very very good um, extremely knowledgeable guy and a BJJ uh, blue belt now I think as well so um, he was over here last in Belfast last week on a book tour. Did you go to the? No, I, I didn't. I didn't go to the book tour. I was just like, I mean, I've been absolutely optimist swingers in here, yeah, like getting orders out to the masses, getting the gains out, yeah, as I say, <laughs> to the guys and girls. But uh, it's just he talks a lot of sense because he, does. he obviously the guy knows more than what he's going on about in terms of like he's trying to keep it. Digestible for the layman. Digestible for the layman, as you say. He, he, you know, he talks about intermittent fasting, and he talks about amino acids because he's trying to dispel the myth and trying to dispel the importance that is being put on these protocols and these supplements in terms of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like intermittent fasting, he's sort of saying, look, it's, you're closing the fucking window in which you can be greedy. Yeah. Like that's what you're doing. Yes, you can look into like PCOS and intermittent fasting and how it might marginally increase insulin sensitivity and stuff like that there, but fuck's sake, you're talking about a woman or a guy who has never learned to diet and telling them intermittent fasting is why you're losing weight, and then they're like, "Well, what the fuck calories was it on?" Like, you know, if, if it doesn't suit their lifestyle, ten years after they first do it, mm. oh, I I can't lose weight because it was intermittent fasting that did it. it was that yeah. particular restriction of the time zone that was why I lost weight? It was it was because you couldn't eat the extra two meals that you were chugging down in the morning, and you were like restricting at the eight hours in which you could overfeed. That's what that's what he's trying yeah. to like say. It's the same as amino acids. People, people like say amino acids are the absolute like be all and end all, and they're spending hundreds and hundreds of pounds in amino acids, as opposed to like getting their fucking diet right yeah. and understanding that if you get enough dietary protein in, like say you're in a diet phase, the idea if you look at any of the science is aim for what say let's give a figure one point eight grams, at one point eight to two point four grams per kilo of body weight, and obviously that's going to be dependent on the fat-free mass. So like if you, you, you if, if somebody is got a lot of body fat, mm -hmm. you might be able to tend slightly more to the middle or lower end of that parameter because you're trying to spur muscle. Because like the fat is, you're trying to get rid of the fat. So like, um, like that's, that things like that there. Um, in, terms, in terms of the branch chain amino acids, if somebody's in a diet phase and I get somebody comes in here and says, look, I, when I take branched chain amino acids, I feel fucking great. It's 20 quid, there's 40 servings, it's not gonna do them any harm, and 
you're increasing your blood pool of the molecular form of these proteins. You're eating right outside of utilizing the branched chain amino acids. What the fuck? Did, what the fuck's wrong with that? No, nothing. Absolutely. That's nothing what at I'm all. saying. So, and like again, if I if I turn around and I said that, honestly, here's this human being, and there's billions of human beings on the earth, and these people that are absolutely and utterly slating the use of branched chain amino acids. They have all of a sudden become the guru of what's going on inside every single human being. Everyone's different. We're all unique. So branched chain amino acids might not work for some people. They may see it as an unnecessary expense. And then the next person might see it as whatever they remove it from their diet, they feel that they're not recovering. Yeah. Whether, it be whether it be psychosomatic or whether in their body it is actually working. It still works for that it person. It still works for that It person. still works for that So person. that's why we still sell it. We still believe in it. Because I know the amount of people and people, <coughs> the the people that have come in and went, look, I train fasted in the morning. I take branched, I take 0.18 grams per kilo, say, of like branched chain amino acids for a 90 kilo guy that might be like, you know, 16 grams of branched chain amino acids in water. Take a little bit of caffeine because I don't want to take too much because I don't want to shit myself. So I take 100, I take a can of no-go, and then I start sipping on the branch chain amino acids about 15 to 30 minutes before. Not only does it give me like a feeling of satiation, so I feel like, you know, ah, there's something in there. So mentally, I'm going into that mm -hmm. session feeling a little bit like uplifted. Here's the other thing. You've just drank fucking 500, 600 mils of water after coming out of a period of sleep. So you've rehydrated, which is naturally going to wake your body up as well. And now you've got, whether it be only, what, 40 or 50 calories worth of, you know, aminos in the, of, of essentially calories in the system. Yeah. You've, um, you've got mentally and physically got an edge going into that session that you wouldn't have had if you had a train fasted. Yes, if you hadn't used that, you yeah. still have that, that. There's a little bit of, as you said there, like a mental edge to that. And whether yeah. that works or whether it is, as you said, the actual utilization of the substrate you put into your system, yeah. it still works. It's yeah. still a thing. It's still what makes people happy I, about having them in their system. 100%. And I know fine writing, my partner, um, she uses them all the time. In fact, she's giving me a shopping list for here today, which is quite depressing. <laughs> uh, and uh, clearly that's on it. Um, and we discussed this, and Kira actually said, make sure you ask Adam about aminos just to spell any of this bullshit about them. That's why I wanted to get that question about aminos into you because we've seen a lot of bad press for a lot of supplementation sometimes online SARM's yeah. got their um, an immense push we talked about SARM's earlier on but SARM's got an immense push online as this wonderful miracle drug and, and the reason I initially did use SARM's and the SARM I used for a while was Osterine uh -huh. that was for joint health and yeah. it was one of the things that it, it was targeted as I gotta tell you I did get a good benefit from it yeah. um, regarding that so there is benefits to supplementation across the board so, is there? We're we're coming basically to the end. We've, we've touched on a, a monstrous, monstrous. Talk about sweat loss. I, <laughs> literally, my t-shirt is so drenched. One one before before we close up. One thing I wanted to ask is: Have you worked specifically with fighters, and and how open and how receptive would you be? Because obviously you've you've shown just the depth of knowledge Dear you have God, here yeah. with regards to nutrition and with regards to what a performance athlete should be doing. Yeah, that's going to benefit them. How receptive are you to working? Maybe one to one with fighters. I I would li listen. I, I'm gonna be real. There's there's the Adam that's dead confident, right? Yeah. <laughs> and anyone that knows me, my wife specifically, probably be the only person. There's the Adam, who's behind the camera acting a complete another knob, because there is you can't really go wrong with that. And then there's the Adam who's like, 
wants to be taken seriously, really seriously, for knowing a wee bit about nutrition and knowing a wee bit about like you know performance based nutrition and supplementation. I ideally I would give my right foot, for want of a better phrase, to actually be able to do that. Again, it's just gonna. This is definitely giving me a bit of confidence. Mm-hmm. We're talking to you guys, and 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 I and I would going into the future. I I know my wife would say to me, "You need to grow a set and just like what is the point in learning this and then just sitting on it." Yeah. yeah if you aren't going to actually make any sort of inroads yeah. into coaching yeah. or not not necessarily coaching, but even becoming a nutritional advisor, nutrition you're only scratching the surface in the fitness industry, and I keep I drop health off that health and fitness industry now um, people are really only scratching the surface of nutrition and I still hear and I still see some appalling practices by what are described as personal trainers regarding people's diet and nutrition and even any of the coaching courses I've been on and there's always a nutritional element to it Yeah. and there's always one or two people in there say I just tell my guy or girl to eat this or that and th- yeah. that's fine I've seen and them, like, I've, seen them like, I've seen them written down and like I have that. to tell them to stop and I, yeah. I, I, I'll talk about this off camera or sorry off, off the mic um, specific courses that I've been on where even halfway through it they've just said I'm not going to mention it anymore because I've asked so many questions I've <laughs> just said like yeah. well, what you're saying is wrong you're just what you're saying is completely and utterly wrong yeah. and there's no sense to back it up mm. so what you've done is here you've dispelled an awful lot of bullshit myths yeah. you've used real science yeah. to show that there are supplementation out there that works we've talked water load and we've talked all brilliant stuff that fighters have, have made great attempts at, at making a balls off it's um, it's like it's like I understand people have their own protocols. I, th- this sounds like a, it, it's not like a William Wallace ending to this like sort of fucking podcast. Like, but my my aim has always been to genuinely help people. Mm. Possibly why I haven't like Peter cracks up because I have I've worked with two or three athletes not in the fight performance game but like strongman specific and I've never charged a penny. And this is the information I'm giving them, and I know I should like this is just. But there, I my aim is to try and help fucking people be healthy in their endeavors, and that to me is grossly sort of. It's grossly like compromised and corrupted in weight making endeavors. You yeah, know, like people that have to make a weight, there is. In a lot of cases, now I'm not I'm not bad mouthing people. And I'm not. There's no point. It's not nice, and, and they are not here to defend themselves. But it is a real problem in that specific industry. Yeah, there's and old, I would there's like old to be more cake practices that there we is. still live and die by. Hundred yeah, percent. They're not totally. doing anything necessarily that they feel to believe that is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's because they have learned nutritional bias passed on to the years. Yeah. It's like the old bodybuilding myths. They still live on today. And some of them are not really. No. There's better ways of doing things. How many times have you heard things in bodybuilding? White fish thins a skin and all that pish. Man, unbelievable. What on earth? Where did that? Where did these things even come from? I, the amount of, the amount of people come in and ask for fucking like dandelion root extract yeah. and all this here, and I'm just like, look, what are you on? Don't don't stop do it. it. So do you reckon there's a boy sitting at home? He's maybe in his sixties and he hears this stuff and he's like, I fucking come I, up with that. Yeah, I'm I'm I mugged the boy off down the pub by saying that. <laughs> no, but the, they, but this is the thing. They be listening to this going them guys are the dicks totally and, because and they, they'll believe that it's blissful ignorance and yes, they see. believe it and let them believe it but when like it people comes who believe the earth's around 100% <laughs> I just I, I like people will believe what they're going to believe and this is why sometimes when you talk to people they're, you're staring through glass eyes and there's no point but in my head if I get somebody that comes in and if the people if somebody if it comes off the back of this and people says to me look will you will you help me or will you give a talk in and I've done a couple of talks in sort of like clubs and, and running and athletic clubs 
My, I go away, how I get my head again, like, play the violin music, how I get my head on the pillow every night is that I have left a group of people who will leave going, fucking hell, like, that's not blowing my mind, but that is actually sounds like a far healthier way of doing things. You've used and, what I uh, describe as the campsite rule. You've left those people better off yeah. in a better off condition than you find them. Yeah, and they may, and, and I, I get people coming back all the time that go, what did you tell me any other time? And I was like, fucking 45 minutes I was talking to that guy. And they were just like, <laughs> killing dead things. But you know what? Like it, I always say, Peter and I laugh. I was ignorant once too. In fact, I was very ignorant. And if I think about my first 10 years of training, I was just a fucking brute. I was like, ban, going to train, then going and ban three pizzas for 250 in Lidl. Let's get massive. Let's get swollen up. I, I Doritos. I think the anabolic Doritos get them in there. Like you know, it's calories, isn't it? So like we all were there. So sometimes whenever I get a hell of myself when I'm talking to people, it's sometimes because you have been repeating yourself for weeks and weeks and weeks in the end. But you bring yourself back to that time when you asked a stupid question, and yeah. I did ask a lot. So yeah, I I want if people come to me as you say and say, look, will you help me with a fight camp? My idea is not to get famous. I don't want to. Be, I, w- I couldn't deal with being a famous nutritionist. I would rather just like be the Have guy that in 30 years' time, we're like, here, who helped? Remember that fight 30 years ago when you were really good, Nick, and you were really healthy and made the weight really easily? Who helped you? It was mm. just like, oh, I'm surely fucking 75 now. Like, but nobody ever really knew. I would rather be that guy. Yeah. And that sounds really uninspiring. And it definitely isn't going to get me on the cover of Forbes. But I'll not be running about. A sweaty, anxious mess with people texting me all the time, and I can sort of go, "Yeah, I helped someone," and like they're now not being a fucking idiot and drinking eleven liters of water five days out from a fight. Even the thought of that, even that, just eating six meals a day with absolutely no regard for what the energy content is of the meals. Why you're doing it? Because lose two weeks out. You've read somewhere that Kai Green once had six meals on a Tuesday or something like this. Yeah, and that's it. So it's, it's just, as you say, dispelling myths, giving people healthier, scientifically backed, researched alternatives. That's sustainable. That are sustainable to their health post-fight, post-years of fighting. When they look back, they're 50. They haven't got any underlying conditions. They're not still fighting the after effects of a really long period of eating disorder problems. You know, things like that. But that that's essentially because I have more issues than the the Ulster Tatler. Like, I've been through it all and it's all self-inflicted. Yes, you can talk about mental health, but all the shit I ever did that was wrong in my life was my mistake. But I've been there and I've been in that mental, like, the eating problems, drinking, drugs, doing really fucking stupid things that even though your your mind's telling you this isn't, this isn't good for you, like, you just don't know any better. Mm. My aim is to try and help people not... Not make that mistake. Not make that mistake. If yeah. I can, especially... Health, and in this case, sporting endeavours, weight making things, you know, it's, there's, you know, that's why I did the course, and that's why Peter gives me a lot of room to manoeuvre in terms of not trying to push supplements on people that really they don't need after mm-hmm. you've done a wee bit of in-depth digging into their, their nutritional background and their, you know, their health background, and, and, I, and I think it's just, it just stands people in better stead yeah. you know, going forward, you know. Perfect. That's, that's a perfect place to stick a pin in it. I say, yeah. I say stick a pin in it for now because I think this is something that um, we'd like to revisit with you again 100%. because there's there's a lot of stuff there that we that we didn't even scratch the surface on. No. Yeah. So, so much more information there again that we could pull apart. Mm. Um, as Phil says, it's absolutely fantastic. We 
like genuinely properly grateful for you to come on the podcast. Um, obviously, anybody who, who knows you or knows of the supplement industry in Northern Ireland can clearly find you here at NI Supplements in Castlereagh Road in Belfast. They Sitting here and humble. And on the on the stool with no back yeah. <laughs> at the computer. Just but for for people that want to avail of your expertise or, or follow a little bit of the knowledge that you're sharing, where can they find you? So we we have an Instagram. Um, it's ni supplements. Uh, you'll see it. It gets beat. It's uh, the symbol like green ni ni supplements sign. You can go on Facebook nisupplements.com um, and you update that fairly regularly with a lot of information yeah there's well. information and then there's just me being a little bit silly from time to time and Peter being a wee bit silly and then like obviously you can go online www.nisupplements.com if you want to check out any of the supplementation uh, other than that look I've said to anyone the doors are always open Peter knows that I'll spend time and talk to people and obviously the DMs and stuff I don't. I'm not not a big fan of the 11 a.m., 11 p.m. and two in the morning DMs about like what way protein. Hey, you still up? Loss. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hey, you still up, Tess? <laughs> yeah. But like, you know what? If if somebody's really at their wits' end and comes in during the day and says, "Like, mate, do do me a favor, talk to me about nutrition," like, and my heart skips a beat a little bit when somebody says that, you know. So I, I'm I'm happy to do that. But as I say, Instagram is constantly be updated with supplementation and nutrition. We are a supplement company, but I have put a few things out there, and Peter's put a few on nutrition first and foremost, because we know better than anyone. This is the this is the five equal percentage. This is the end percent, the nth percent on top of the the complementary nutritional protocol towards your goal. And supplement in and of itself, the word supplement means to run in tandem and to inform the good work that you should be doing with your nutrition, mate. Poetic. You couldn't put it better than that. Like, absolutely Shakespearean. But it's like I'm glad it's that's recorded. <laughs> oh my god, unbelievable TM that shit. But like it's true, but so like for if you if you wanna hear nutritional information, it's on the Instagram. It's on it then gets uploaded to the Facebook. Listen to the stories. It's like, you know, follow us, like us. You know, that's basically what it says. So that's where you're gonna get the free information. If you want anything else, come in and see us and we'll always point you in the right direction, whether you're a fighter, whether you're just trying to lose some body fat, drop some body fat, get a wee bit healthier, whether you, you've got a friend who you know is going down a bad route in terms of like food and diet and stuff and you want a wee bit of information for them. I've had people come in and say, my mate's going to like wreck themselves and I've told them, bring them in. Yeah, asking for a friend, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, so, yeah, those are, the, those are the three mediums. Email, Instagram, Facebook, perfect. Andy, where can people find us on uh, on the the, the oh, socials? On the socials, it, I know now it's become such a funny thing, but it is true. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Um, they can find us at Not Another Fightcast on Instagram, and also find us at Not Another Fightcast on Facebook. Please send us a message if there's something that you guys want to hear on the show. We're always willing to give a, a obviously a voice to anybody who is great is happy enough to listen to us and spend some time during their, their day with us. We're very very happy that any person chooses to do that. Um, I hope you've enjoyed today, folks. Um, you can't really, literally, you cannot buy information like that. And has just shared with us here, and also for fighters out there. Hopefully, this has been an educational visit, and something that you will then continue on with, rather than just following on in the same tired, worn out protocols that aren't necessarily working or making a difference for you. 
So give us a wee follow, not another fight cast on Instagram and on Facebook. Phil, where can they find you? You can find me at PC underscore commentary just to keep up to date with my travels and my commentary work. And yourself, Andy? You can find me at under, uh, the underscore icon 77 on Instagram. Um, it's mainly just pictures of my dog and boxing. So nice. if you're interested in seeing that, knock yourselves out. Um, Failures back from Slovenia as well, another show from Brave FC, and you're heading away to, where's the next venue? Uh, next show uh, is March, go to Brazil for a couple of days. So. Absolutely amazing. So again, go and give Phil a follow, please go and give Northern Ireland Supplements a follow, and if you are that way inclined, you can come and follow me as well. Folks, we have been not another fight cast. Remember, I was only joking earlier on, the earth definitely is round and vaccines definitely do work. So I'm talking to you directly, Johnny Burrows, I know you don't listen to this, but he is a flat earther. Okay, folks, thank you very much. We have been Not Another Fightcast today with Adam Stewart and Mr. Phil Campbell. Thanks very much, folks. See you soon. Peace, love, and bye. Bye, bye, bye.